tonight, we're asking you in a moment or two to light a candle to symbolize that we are going to go out of this place to proclaim a gospel that could bring peace to our world, that could change all the social injustice, and a gospel that can transform the lives of millions of people on every continent. And we're challenging you tonight to do it. Today is a new beginning, a reset. It's our moment to define our generation. Not by tweets, snaps, or posts. Not with political agendas or policies, but with our lives. Because we are the reset generation. We are one family who together with Jesus can change the world. We will follow him wherever he leads. We will risk everything for his message so that everyone would come to know him. We're not in this to make ourselves famous. We want to make Jesus famous. It's about him, his heart, his passion. And yes, there will be cost. It will be difficult. It will require great risk, but it will be beautiful because we've experienced the power Jesus has to change everything. It starts with daily looking to Jesus, listening to his heart, following his word. Can you hear it? He's calling us. This is our commission. Let's fill our stadiums. Let's fill our cities, fill our churches, our schools, neighborhoods, communities with the message of Jesus and the reset he offers. Now is not the time to shrink back. The message of Jesus belongs everywhere, from the smallest corners to the biggest stages. Now is the time to let our lives be a light for all the world to see. We have stood together. We have filled them all. Now, let's fill them all. All right, Emmanuel. Is anybody excited to be at church this morning? Come on, make some noise, somebody. And hey, let's make some noise for our friends in Maple Grove and Elk River and online. Come on, can we make some noise for them? You are loved and cared for. It's so great to be here today. Now, on your way in, you got one of these prayer cards. I just want to make note of it. I'm going to be coming back to it later. But if you find yourself distracted at some point during the service, I would encourage you to be distracted towards this card, okay? And I want you to think about people in your life that need Jesus, that you can be praying for, and uh, thinking about bringing to church. How many know Easter is coming? Easter's coming. It's one of the biggest times of the year when people come to church. They're open to coming to church. And I want you to think about who you want to bring with you, okay? So think about that. Also, uh, Unite is coming up. Pastor Nate mentioned it. Unite National Day of Prayer, May 4th. How many of you guys have been to U.S. Bank Stadium? Anybody been to U.S. Bank Stadium? Okay, if you haven't been, this is your chance to come and be there. I just want to say this, man. If they can pack that whole front area out with people tailgating for football. How many think we can pack it out for prayer? Come on, somebody. I'm telling you guys, listen, now is the time to come together and pray because when we pray, God moves. There's this whole pulse season happening in the Twin Cities, and I'm so thankful for the Emmanuel family. You guys have been leading the charge with us. How many of you guys know you got a great pastor and Pastor Nate Roosh? Anybody? This guy is incredible. Just love him and uh, so excited and honored to be here, Nate and uh, Jody, your team, your family, just the whole crew. It's awesome. Uh, Mark Allen. Anybody know Mark Allen is awesome? I, uh, 
I just downloaded that song this morning from worship. Cause I'm like, Mark, whose is that? He's like, that's our song. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. And uh, so I showed him like my recent song downloads. The last one was Outcast, and then the next one is Emmanuel. So there we go. I'll repent of that later. But listen, we're getting in the right direction. I also love this church. I love this church because I know this church has a priority, not just for prayer, but for evangelism. How many of you guys love that this church is about seeing people know Jesus? And one of the biggest ways that I can tell that is because two of my favorite evangelists in the world happen to go to church here. Matt Brown is here. Matt Brown is a great friend. Love this guy. God's used him around the world. And then Susie Larson goes here as well. I mean, it's like something's in the water at Emmanuel. I don't know. And so those walls are getting finished and we're punching through those walls to see more people know Jesus. Amen? Amen. I want to pray as we get started. Would you guys pray with me? Can we bow our heads? Let's just ask God to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. God, we thank you that you're here this morning. Thank you that you did not sleep in on us this morning. But God, you're here right now. You are with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And today we celebrate your son, Jesus. We want to make much of Jesus in this place. Because God, we know in your word says that when we lift you up, you will draw all men and women and children to yourself. And so God, we lift you up today, believing that you alone can change us, that you alone can save us, that you alone, God, can shift eternity. And so God, we're praying that your kingdom would come today, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Now, Pastor Nate mentioned my book. I want you to say, say Reset. Say reset. reset. Come on, church, say reset. reset. Now, reset means uh, restart. It means to get the system working in. How many of you guys have ever hit a reset button on a piece of technology, your phone, your computer, your power outlet in the morning? Once you start looking for it, it's everywhere. The word is everywhere. Now, when we were students 10 years ago up in North Dakota, I know it's a common vacation spot for many of you, but listen, when we were in North Dakota, we were praying for revival on our campus. And we were really believing that God needed to change our campus. How many of you guys ever get like this? You're like, man, all those people are so messed up and they need Jesus. Anybody ever get like this? They need Jesus, man. We need something to change. And we started to pray. And it was like, as we started to pray, it's like God started to say, you know who needs Jesus really bad? You guys. And I just realized this, like of all the people in my life that need Jesus, I am the first one in line. And so we were praying and it was like God was resetting us, resetting our faith, resetting our hope, resetting our allegiance, resetting our affections, our trust. And it became this movement that birthed out of a prayer meeting up in Fargo. Can anything good come from Fargo? Listen, and so we were praying and the student came up and said, Nick, what we're praying for is a reset. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, Nick, I play a lot of video games. And let me just pause there for a second. You guys ever have people do this where they share something with you that they think is an announcement? Right, like that would be a surprise. Let me just say, if you play a lot of video games, everybody knows you're playing a lot of video games, okay? This guy was like, hey, I play a lot of video games. We're all like, we know. We, you should bathe more, okay? But this guy's like, listen, when I play my video games and the system doesn't work, I hit reset. It clears the system and gets it working again. They said, I think that's what our generation needs is a reset. So we looked it up, reset means, it means that your system, your computer, your phone was made to work a certain way. 
But we mess up the system. Anybody feel like you have messed up a piece of technology before in your life? How many guys are like, I cannot work my toaster? <laughs> listen, listen, we need a reset in every area of our life, but especially in our faith and in our relationship with God. Now, how many iPhone people we got in the house? Let me see your phones. Pull out your phones. Let me see them. iPhone people make some noise. Let me see. Okay, 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 okay. All right, now let's not get a competition here. But how many Android people we got in the house? Come on. Okay, 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 let's just stretch out our hands. Android people, we, Lord, we pray healing over them. <laughs> Deliverance. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just serious. I'm just, no. No, but really, if you have a Galaxy Note 7, please keep the phone off and in your pocket. Listen, that might not be the fire of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that, that might be just your phone. The next big thing is poof, never mind. Uh, so we were praying and asking God that he would change us. And he started to birth this movement of prayer. And I was thinking about this as it relates to this series, The Truth About. How many of you guys have been loving this series? It's been great. I've been, I've been connecting with it. I've been downloading and listening and getting ready for this Sunday. And I was thinking about when you think about the truth about Scripture, the Father, the Spirit, I thought about, man, sometimes there is just plain old a system error that we need a reset from. We've downloaded the wrong, we've looked at the wrong things, we've gone to the wrong places. And I think that's why this tagline is so good, in a world of fake news. But also, not just a connection, a system error, there's a connection problem. You guys know this? Sometimes we're connected to the wrong source. And I'm thinking about this, like, as it relates to my phone, I travel with a lot of teenagers, college kids. I get to hang out with thousands of them, right? It's amazing. It's so much fun. I see so much hope. But these kids are always teaching me new things on my phone. How many of you guys love learning something new on your phone? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, come on, somebody. Yeah, if you have a phone, it's like, man, did, did you know we could do that? Like, some of you guys are like, it has a map? Whoa, that's incredible. Listen, let me tell you, you can do even more than that. But how many of you guys want to know an amazing tip I just learned about my phone? Anybody want to know? It'll change your life with your phone. Are you ready? Are you ready, church? I, you don't want to know. It's okay. You do want to know? Okay, okay, I'll tell you. Listen, I want you to lean in. Don't miss it. Your neighbor's going to miss this. Don't you miss it, okay? Your neighbor's slow. You're not. Don't let them distract you, okay? Listen, listen. Turn to your neighbor and say, be quiet. No, if you don't plug in your phone, it will not work. I know. Somebody's mind was just blown. That's what's been wrong. No, but listen, your phone was made to do incredible things. Do you ever think about it? Do you ever think about that you can pick up a piece of plastic and metal and glass and call somebody in another part of the town? My brother lives in China. I could FaceTime him right now. And in a second, he would pick up. My brother in China on a phone. I don't know where he's going or coming from. It's amazing. You might think it's amazing. It is amazing. All the things your phone can do. Let me tell you, as amazing as your phone is, if you don't plug it in, it can do none of the things it was made to do. And I want to tell you, you and I are the same way. God, he made you far more amazing than any phone. But I'm telling you, if you're not connected to the source, you can do none of the things that you were made to do. And sometimes the people are like, why is my life not working? So, man, there's a connection problem. 
What are you putting in? What are you putting your hope in? What are, I mean, that's like, I had an a, a RV. We had an RV. We were traveling around the country. One day the RV broke down on the side of the road, and, and it, we called it the Jesus Mobile, and it broke down. I nearly had a crisis of faith because I was like, the Jesus Mobile can't break down. It's not even theologically accurate. You know, I was like, I was having a hard time. But what happened is our driver put unleaded gasoline in the Jesus Mobile, and Jesus Mobile no likey, right? It's just doesn't work. You don't put unleaded in a diesel. It seems obvious. Like even my four-year-old could tell you that. Like you don't put in that, daddy. Right? It's like in some reason in our lives, we think we can put all this stuff in our life and get out something great. And yet the truth is like we need to consistently be filled up with the presence of God, with the power of the spirit, filled up and connected to God's word. And this morning we're talking about the truth as it pertains to Jesus. Jesus is the linchpin of this whole deal. Jesus is the thing we fix our eyes on. Jesus is what sets our faith apart. It is literally, Jesus is it. I like to say Jesus changes everything. Say that with me. Say Jesus changes everything. Every other faith in the world talks about what you need to do to get to God. Christianity says it's not about what you need to do to get to God, it's about what God did to get to you. You see, it's a difference. It's a core difference between our faith and every other faith. Every other faith says do, Christianity says done. And it says done in Jesus. It says, man, we're not gathering as perfect people, thank God. And that sets me free from having to judge, I can't believe she's here. No, this isn't a bunch of perfect people. We are imperfect people looking to the perfect one. He did what we could not do. I like to say, man, Jesus lived the life that we could not live, and then he died the death that we deserve. And that is why we're here, to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Some things I was looking at about Jesus, the truth about Jesus. I'm just going to throw these up on the screen, get your pen ready, take some notes about what the Bible says about Jesus. John 1 says, Jesus is the word became flesh. If you want to know what the Bible's about, look to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He's the fulfillment of all of scripture. In fact, you could say every book of the Bible in one way or another is pointing to this person, to this man, to the son of the most high God. Second thing, Jesus is the image of God, it says in Colossians 1. It says he is the image of the invisible God. What does God look like? Look at Jesus. Look at what he did, look at what he does, look at what he's doing. First Timothy, Paul says, Jesus is our mediator. In other words, Jesus is our bridge to God. Some of you guys grew up seeing the bridge to life and man is over here and God is over here and good works couldn't fill it and buying Girl Scout cookies couldn't fill it. I know I tried, it didn't work. But the cross fills that bridge. He is the one mediator. Now, what did Jesus say about himself? Here's a couple more things in, in the Bible, but this is now Jesus about himself. Jesus said, I came to save the world, not condemn it, as we saw in John 3, verse 17 this week, which I find interesting. Jesus says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son to save the world, not to condemn the world. But yet, so often Christians, those who claim to be followers of Jesus, are known for condemning the world. Can you just see a little bit of a disconnect there? 
So this morning, as we're looking at the truth about Jesus, I want to ask this question over all of this. Am I following Jesus? And I want you to ask yourself, am I following Jesus? And as a church, we can say, are we following Jesus? Or are we following some man-made image that we have made to make ourselves feel better and still think we're following Jesus? Because Jesus, he says, man, I came to save the world, not to condemn it. If you find yourself judging and pointing fingers and, and ripping on people and being negative, man, that ain't Jesus. I got a friend who's an evangelist in the UK. He says there's two reasons people don't know Jesus. Number one, they've never met a Christian. Number two, they've met a Christian. Jesus came to save the world, not to condemn the world. It's God's love that sent Jesus into the world. Next one, Jesus said, I am the light. Say light. light. Jesus is the light. Some people are so focused on the dark. So, it's getting so bad. It's so bad. Man, it feels like we're going to hell in a handbasket. It's so bad. We just got to protect ourselves and build up bigger walls and be more comfortable. It's so bad. Listen, stop focusing on how bad it is. Start focusing on how good he is. Stop focusing on the darkness. Focus on the light. Because I got good news, church. The darker it gets, the brighter the light is. And we got the light of the world. And man, it's time for us to start shining the light. Now, I got nothing against apologetics. In fact, I did a master's in Christian thought so I could understand more about defending the faith but I believe that the church needs to be on offense. Man, we need to be charging the gates of hell, grabbing our super soakers and saying, let's go. It's time. We have a mission. Jesus is the light. Next one, Jesus said, I am the way. Say the way. He didn't say a way. He said the way. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Now, Oprah says, I don't know why people making this mistake, saying there's only one way to God. I can tell you why, Oprah. It's because Jesus said there's only one way to God. There's only one way. Now, again, are we following Jesus? Because it's fine for us to clap and say, yeah, that's right. There's only one way to God. But are we actually sharing that message? Or is that just a message we're like, oh, thank goodness, I got the keys. I'm in. No, in some ways, I'd say if we're not sharing that message, we don't got the message. Because this is not a message for me. This is a message for all. Maybe you heard about it. There's this, uh, there's this portion of the Bible called the Great Commission. It's not called the Good Suggestion. Jesus said, go. Jesus said this, Luke 19, 10. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I think of this as kind of one of the mission statements of Jesus. Seeking and saving the lost. He said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. Sometimes I think the church gets so caught up in why are they acting like that? Why are they doing like that? They're acting so awful. Listen, I'm just tell you, those are sinners. They are sinning. That's what they do. It's their job description, right? Just don't be surprised that sinners are sinning. Ask yourself why the saved aren't saving. Listen, we got to get out there. We got to get out there. We are a people who are following him. Am I following Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Jesus is radical. Jesus is revolutionary. Ain't nothing boring about Jesus. The truth about Jesus is he's not boring. A lot of young people grow up thinking it's all boring. 
And I tell them, man, your church might be boring. You might know some boring believers, but it ain't nothing boring about Jesus. You don't read the gospels and say boring, right? The disciples weren't like, they're gonna kill us, boring. <laughs> right? They weren't like, water to wine, boring. <laughs> Lazarus raised the dead, boring. Snooze button. No. They were like, who is this man? I want to give my life for him. You couldn't just give him lip service. It was all in or nothing. Today we got a lot of lip service. What is Jesus doing now? Jesus says in Romans, he's interceding for us. Some days when you're discouraged, getting a little low, you can say, man, the truth about Jesus is he's praying for me right now. Those that are in Christ, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Love having people pray for me. Sometimes people say it with judgment, I'm praying for you. I say, please, pray more, please. I love when people pray for me, but I'm so thankful that Jesus is praying for me. Not only that, Jesus says in John 14, he says he goes, he's going to prepare a place for us. He's going to prepare a place for us. Somebody say to your neighbor, I'm not home. I'm not home. And so often, we the church, we start to live like this is our home. Start to get comfortable like this is our home. But no, we are on a mission. The mission's not done. God's called us to go. And as we learn through the Holy Spirit, the truth about the Spirit in John 15, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is empowering us today. Now, I'm going to give you four quick points. Those are kind of things about Jesus in Scripture. Here's four points. And then I want you to open up your Bible to Mark chapter 2. Four points. I want you to write these down. Write these down. Number one, Jesus models mission. Another way you can say is Jesus models focus. Jesus' life was like a laser beam focus. Man, his mission was to glorify his father and his mission was to seek and save the lost. Man, there is no wavering in Jesus. That's why he is our leader. That's why he's the one we need to look to. And that's why we need to say, am I following that guy? Some people say, oh, you know what? My mission isn't the whole seeking. My mission is praying. My mission is worshiping. Like, I just worship. I just like to worship. Just pray. I just like to soak. I'm just going to soak in the presence. It's a Jesus bubble bath. It's just so comfy in here. Water's always warm. No kids screaming. We just get so comfortable. And I said, man, if you say you're a worshiper or you say you're praying, how are you not going out and doing the things that Jesus did? Man, if I'm saying I'm worshiping him and I don't ever go share my faith, who am I worshiping? If I say I'm spending time praying to him, I've spent all day with God. Okay, that's great. Man, thank God. How, what's it looking like as you're, as you're putting feet to those prayers? Because you can't spend time in this book with this man and not get after that mission. This book, that man, mission. Jesus' life modeled mission. And that's why I gave you this card this morning. This is an anchor point. I'm not asking you today to be Jesus, although he's calling you to follow him. 
I'm not asking you to save the world, although he's inviting you to be a part of it. I'm inviting you today to take a first step of saying, pray every day for people who need Jesus in your life. How many people in this room know somebody who needs Jesus? If you don't know somebody who needs Jesus, man, we're going to pray for that. Okay? But if you know somebody that needs Jesus, that's one thing. How many of you that raise your hands every day are praying for those people that need Jesus by name? How many of you guys know it's out of sight, out of mind? Sometimes people are like, I don't know why God's not using me to reach others. I don't know why I've never been a part of seeing somebody come to know Jesus. And I'm like, man, are you praying for it? Are you praying for them? Are you praying for opportunities? I'll tell people, take a prayer card, take a bunch of them. Put it in your Bible or put it on your fridge, whichever one you open more. <laughs> Just take two prayer cards, okay? Listen, when we pray, God moves. Man, I think we got far too many people in the church that aren't living this mission. And Jesus called us to go. Second thing about Jesus, Jesus demands risk. Now, I would say Jesus demands faith, and then I would say faith is spelled R-I-S-K, but I'll just start with saying Jesus demands risk. He doesn't call you into your comfort zone. He calls you to get out the boat. He calls you to leave it all. He calls you to die. This is a crazy thing here. Say, oh man, that's radical Christianity. No, that's biblical Christianity. Are we following him? Am I following Jesus? So we say, man, you're getting kind of in my personal space. Good. That's where Jesus wants to be. He doesn't want to be on your shelf. He doesn't want to be someplace to make you feel better about everything. He's not your get out of jail free card. No, he is a leader of leaders and he doesn't let us stay the same. He demands risk. Number three, Good news about risk is that Jesus also authors faith. You see, he demands faith of us to not go after what's safe, and that's why I love that song, right? There's something about going to Jesus and being stretched beyond our limits. I love that line, because this week I've been stretched beyond my limits, and check it out, I've been complaining about it. <laughs> Come on, God, this is hard. God's like, you're preaching on faith this Sunday, Nick. Wake up. God calls us to consistently stretch, stretch, stretch. There is no growth in the comfort zone. He's calling you to reach out beyond yourself, to give more than you think you can give, to go further than you think you can go, to share more boldly than you think you can. You got to live your life at a place where you need God to intervene. Man, if your life can be managed by what you can do, I gotta ask, are we following Jesus? Because he is on a mission to seek and save the lost. He is on a mission to change the world, and he's inviting us to go. And this is fleshed out by each and every one of us individually saying, who in my life needs Jesus? My neighbors, my friends, the people at the coffee shop. I go running, and I ran past the barber shop, and I was going to get a haircut, and, uh, and it wasn't open. I was like, come on, I need a haircut. I ran back home up central, and I see this barber shop. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get a haircut I turn and it's all up in Arabic in that place and I'm like oh no kept running <laughs> and I'm just being honest I have watched too many episodes of 24 
But listen, the Holy Spirit convicted me. Why? Because that's not God. It might be my news feed. It might be my prejudice. But that's not God's heart. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what am I doing? Turn around, go back. All right, God. I've been going to this barbershop now for two years, you know, and they're on my prayer card. I'm the only person in there I've ever seen that's not Arabic, you know? I'm the only person that speaks English in this barbershop. And I'll be honest, first time they got out the razor to straight edge my neck, I was scared. (laughs) But you know what? I believe that God has placed me there for a reason. And here's the thing about these prayer cards is when you write down people on the prayer card, you include others. People know that I go to this barbershop and so my buddies know when I come in with a fresh fade, they say, Nick, how'd it go? You see, that's the right kind of accountability. Man, I'm praying for them. It started with the one guy, now it's a bunch of them. In fact, we're praying, I'm believing for a Jesus movement. It's right near the mosque. I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit. All too often we pray, God, just pray that you'd send your presence, send your spirit into their life, into my friend's life, into my school, into my workplace. And it's like, God, as we're praying this way, he taps us on the shoulder and says, I answered your prayer. I sent you. Is the spirit of God in us or not? Jesus authors faith. Now, when we were students, I'm going to get to Mark 2. When we were students, we were praying and we were spending time with Jesus and we realized that we were the ones that needed Jesus and we were the ones that needed the reset and all of a sudden it's like God started to turn our hearts to where we once judged others to start loving them and it's like we were all praying and we started with these recipe cards we didn't have the fancy card with like graphics on it it was just hey mom can I grab recipe cards you know we're going to prayer and we'd all ask each other who's on your prayer card how's it going how's it going how's it going Well, this one week, this girl, Jenna, came, and she'd been coming to prayer, and and again, I'm telling you, Jesus models mission, Jesus demands risk, and Jesus authors faith. Well, Jenna came to prayer meeting and says, guys, I got a couple empty blanks on my prayer card, and I've been convicted about it, because I'm not in life with enough people who need Jesus, but she says, I think God is calling me to get a job that's going to be in my mission field. We said, Jenna, that's awesome. What's God calling you to do? And Jenna says to us, she says, guys, I think God's calling me to go work at the Northern. Now, if you're not from Fargo, that would mean nothing to you. But the Northern is this strip club in Fargo. And we're like, ah, Jenna, Hosea. We're like, Jenna, we don't think God wants you to be a stripper. And Jenna's like, you guys are idiots. We're like, we know, we're trying, we're recovering. But listen, <laughs> Jenna says, no, I'm not feeling like I'm called to be a stripper. I feel like I saw an ad for a cook. They need a cook, and I can cook. And she said, who's reaching those girls? We're like, whoa, this is way above our pay grade. <laughs> We've got to bring in our pastor. And you know, we started praying like we'd never prayed before. And we started thinking like we'd never thought before. In fact, we moved our premium like, we don't know Jenna. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm like a protected big brother. I'm like, I don't want anybody going in there. Just sick people in there. Sinners. <laughs> you know? No, we're trying to follow Jesus. We don't got to be around sinners. Wait. 
We said, let's move our prayer meeting to the strip club on Saturday mornings. No, I'm just telling you, if you get kids in North Dakota in the dead of winter to move their strip club outside of the strip club, freezing, God is up to something. We started prayer walking the strip club every Saturday. We're like, God, are you calling Jenna? Is this what you want? And one week we went there and we're like, God, we're going to go around this place seven times, God. And God, if the walls don't fall down, we are sending Jenna in. The walls didn't fall down. So Jenna went in. And you know, Jenna would come to prayer meeting and she'd be weeping. Guys, it's so hard. I want to quit. I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. You know what? Community on mission is a beautiful thing. And we've all been praying. We're like, Jenna, we got your work schedule on our calendars. We're praying for you. We're fasting with you. We're asking God to move. Jenna, don't give up. You can't give up. God's called you. And you know what started to happen as we were praying? Girls started to come to our church. Let me say it a different way. Strippers started coming to our church. And you know what? And you know what? They didn't know how to dress at church. Surprise. But listen, there was no judgment in our hearts. You should have seen the college kids running to these girls. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to church. Welcome. You want to go out to eat later? Let's hang out. Tell me your story. And you know what happened? Some of these girls started coming to Jesus. Life started being changed. They started to say, you know what? I think I need to get a different job. We're like, you do. You do. In Mark chapter 2, four friends carry their friend to Jesus. Carry him. Says there wasn't any room left. Four guys shouldering their buddy all the way to this house where Jesus was having a little party. No room left. Get to the edge of the door, there's no room. What would you do? Are we following Jesus? I'm be honest, if I carry some dude, I'm thinking he's heavy, I'm getting to that door and it's packed, I'm like, we tried, let's go home. But not these guys. I don't know if one of them were lazy. I, I think the statistics are on our side to say at least half of them were lazy. I think half of them, never mind. They're carrying their friend. So he says, I think we can get him on the roof. So on the roof? So they take him to the roof. I don't know what they expected on the roof, but it was straight up roof. Nothing but roof. They get to that rooftop, and they're like, now what do we do? Maybe the other one's thinking they're gonna quit. This is why it's important, friends, community on mission following Jesus. Now there's a different one saying, let's give up. Somebody says, no, we're not going to give up. We carried this big lug up here to the roof. I think we can dig through this roof. So he's digging through the roof. Is that legal? No, I don't think so. Awesome. Let's do it. They start digging through the roof. I mean, I'm telling you, you've probably read this story, heard this story. Have you seen this story lately? Four guys carrying their buddy up on the roof, digging through the roof. I like to imagine inside the building. Jesus, you know he's bringing some fire. Peter and John are up in front saying, come on, Jesus. 
Come on with Jesus. And I got to imagine there was some special fire on Jesus that morning. You know why I think so? Because I think Jesus knew that down the block there were four dudes carrying their buddy. And I think it's getting Jesus jacked. I think he's like, come on, carry him, let's go. Now inside they didn't know that. But Jesus is like getting into it. They get to the edge, they're gonna give up. Jesus is like, get him on the roof, get him on the roof. And Jesus is like really bringing Peter to John's like, man, what's go? Somebody slipped him a Red Bull. This is awesome. Get him up on the roof, they're digging. Jesus is like, dig, dig. I think Peter and John are like, it feels like heaven's gonna come in on this place. All of a sudden the roof kids, heaven is coming in. Come on guy in the back who was, you know, manipulated to host the gathering says, you told me no grape juice on my carpet. There's a hole in my roof. Never hosting another Jesus party again. But Jesus is here. The roof caves in. A dude drops from the ceiling and Jesus is standing over here with the biggest old Papa grin you ain't ever seen. I mean, I think if there was ever a time Jesus did a touchdown dance, it was right then. It's like, man, did you see that? My boys just dug through that roof. Do you see them up there? Those are my boys up there. They're not ashamed of me. They will do anything to bring people to me. And I picture him looking up. I picture him looking up. Can you see him? Can you see the four sweaty heads peeking over that hole? Just gasping. Jesus, we can't save him. But you can save him. Jesus, you're the mediator. Jesus, you're the way, the truth. Jesus, you're the light. We can't save him. But Jesus, you can save him. Just looking over with their faith. Putting feet to that faith. And saying, God, would you do it? Says Jesus looked at their faith and then he looked at the friend and said, son, your sins are forgiven. Later on, he said, get up and walk. It's a beautiful, powerful picture of what it looks like when people meet Jesus and start to live out the mission that he has called us to. Four things I told you, Jesus models mission. Jesus demands risk. He's calling you outside your comfort zone. Number three, Jesus offers faith. I love this because this means it's not all on you. You don't need to do your spiritual push-ups this morning and say, I gotta get stronger with God. No, Hebrews 12 tells us Jesus is the author of faith. He's the perfecter of faith. All you gotta do is say, Jesus, I want you to stretch me. I want you to take me where I can't go, but where you can handle it, because I wanna follow you. The fourth thing I wanna tell you today is Jesus is calling you. And Elk River is calling you. And Maple Grove is calling you. On the internet at some coffee shop somewhere, he's calling you. He's calling you at your home as you lay in bed at night and wonder what it's all about. He's calling you at your cubicle when you're wondering, is this just a waste of my life? He's calling you when you're on your campus saying, what am I doing here? He's calling you saying, will you follow me here? You see, you don't got to go all these other places. You just start right where you are. You start right where you are. You say, God, who have you placed in my life that needs you? God, I'm gonna stand in the gap on their behalf, my neighborhood, for my kids, for my grandkids. Maybe you're here and you've never put your trust in Jesus. Can we bow our heads right now? I'm gonna, we're gonna have a time of response right now. And we're just gonna invite the living God 
the God of the Word, the God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son to come and awaken us to his reality and call us to his mission. Maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus. The Bible says that we are sinful and separated from God. You see, we all need a reset and Jesus offers a supernatural reset. And this morning, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, this is your time. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not when you got your life together. You will never have your life together. God is calling you. He can put the pieces back together. He's asking you to come to him. And if you're here today and you know you need Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been drifting away. Maybe you've never put your trust in him. You just raise your hand right where you are. Say, that's me. Jesus, that's me. Just respond right now. If you hear his voice, respond right now. Say, Jesus, that's me. I believe in you, Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. Elk River and Maple Grove, you put your hand up. Say, that's me, Jesus. Now, maybe you're here and, and you've been a believer for a while, but man, you've been ashamed of your faith. You haven't been sharing your faith at all. You haven't been praying for people at all. I believe today God is not looking with condemnation on us, but he's saying, hey, there's more. And he's inviting you to get out of the boat and join him in the harvest field. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand as well. All across this place, we're just saying, Jesus, we're sticking a stake in the ground. Lord, we want to join you. In fact, I want you to stand up right where you are. If that's you, you stand up. You're committing today saying, I want to get after this mission with Jesus. Or you're standing today saying, I'm responding to Jesus. I don't know what it is for you. It doesn't matter. You don't need to fill it in for me. This is between you and God. Come on, church, if you're here, and as you're even thinking about church, you're not even thinking about people to invite. God wants you to be used of him to change your neighborhood. There's families that need to be here. There's kids that need to be here. If you're here and you're saying, man, I haven't been going after it and I just want to surrender right now. I just want you to stand where you are. I want you to grab that key five card and say, God, use me. I want to be in God. I want to follow you. And lead us in a prayer. Pray with me. Let's all pray together. Pray out loud. Say, Jesus, we need you. Fill us up, Jesus, with your spirit, with your mission with your focus. Lead us, God, wherever you want. We will go. You died for us on that cross and you rose from the grave. You are alive. You're interceding for us. And so right now we say yes to your call to go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, I want to invite everybody to stand up together. Can we make some noise for Jesus right now? I'm going to invite up the campus pastors to come on up. Let's go, church.